strong. Oh, you press record while well done. You didn't even have to remind me, mate. You didn't have to remind me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. All right, let's get stuck into it. Well, it's the first day of spring demo and the sun's out and I can safely say that your guns are out too. An absolute privilege for those watching on the on the video today. Welcome. Yeah, no, a bit of a change of scenery, Rob. I thought I'd take take it outside today. Um, such a lovely day. So, yeah, got got the guns out for, for everyone that is watching. Yeah, if you're on the podcast, you'll have to tune into the, the screencast. <laughs> Mate, so how many push-ups and how many push-ups and, and bicep curls have you done before this before this podcast? Uh, just a quick pump in the garage, mate. You know, there's been as you, anyone that's been looking at the YouTube channel, there's a few shorts coming out, so there's been a bit of filming. So I have to be in tip-top shape for that. <laughs> Absolutely, and I really like your landmine one you've done as well. So if you want to see a bit of creative ingenuity uh, for exercising at home, check out Damos. DIY landmine video. It's pretty good. So make sure you have a look at that. Firstly, welcome back to the, the Deep Kids podcast. Just uh, Damo and myself today. There's no uh, no Sean. I'm not sure where he is. Probably prancing around Parkville or the University of Melbourne campus. But thanks for tuning in. Uh, today's episode, though, we're going to talk about something pretty important, Damo, and it's something that's caused a bit of, a bit of debate over the past week, and that is the pay discrepancies between Paralympic athletes and Olympic athletes, or in really the case is the fact that there's no pay for Paralympic medalists compared to the Olympic counterparts. So it's a pretty contentious topic, isn't it? Yeah, this is something that we sort of, we wanted to get out a little bit earlier, um, but we've just sort of been stuck on it. But um, I, I have noticed since the start of the Paralympics, there's been a bit of chatter around, especially in the sort of sports science sector. I've seen a few yeah. people actually set up some GoFundMe pages and stuff like that for the Paralympians. Because um, as you said, they don't actually receive anything for, for winning a medal. Yeah. And if you have been tuning into the Paralympics, we've actually been lighting it up. Um, mm, it's been absolutely. heaps and heaps of medals. So um, it might have actually sent the AOC or the Paralympic Committee bankrupt if they did pay out for all the medals there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess that the first thing that we probably need to cover is, like, the point of reference So for, for what our Olympians get paid um, yep. for medals. So at the 2020 Games uh, at the Olympics, any athlete that got a gold medal was $20,000 per gold. Um Fifteen thousand per silver and ten thousand dollars per bronze. Now, um, in the grand scheme of countries around the world, it's actually not that high um, mm. the amount that they get paid. But um, they probably do get a bit more support um, from the Olympic body and their institutes of sports and stuff like that. So uh, they don't necessarily need to be paid large amounts. Like I know the Philippines, the gold medalist there got seven hundred fifty thousand US dollars. Mm. Um, so nearly a million, um, which is ridiculous, but it was their first ever gold. So um, Australians get paid a little bit lower, I guess, in, compared to other people around the world. But then the big discrepancy here, as we just mentioned, is that our Paralympians don't actually get anything at all. And not only that, Damo, and, and what you've said and what you started with is a really good point in terms of the, the pay, and Australia doesn't necessarily pay as much, but we even know that there's countries like the UK don't actually pay their Olympic medalist anything so again it sort of varies from from country to country i don't think necessarily the value matters that much in terms of how much you pay them 
but just as long as it's equal across the board. I think that's what everybody wants because it doesn't necessarily matter that you don't get paid 100000 or 750000 like the, the Philippines gold medalist, but just as long as that, that amount's equal. But what we touched upon in a previous podcast episode was the idea a few years ago that the Australian Olympic sort of structure was in terms of funding or performance-based funding for athletes as well. And, and what you spoke about in depth, and I encourage people to go look at it, was the idea that where you finished in an Olympics would then influence how much funding you got for subsequent Olympic cycles after that. And we also know that that has a great effect on Paralympians, don't we? Yeah, so um, it, it's it's still the case for the Paralympics um, or the Paralympians of Australia that the funding for their particular sport or event is based on performance. Um, so that high level of pressure that we were talking about that the winning edge um, had on our Olympians that a lot of people complained about um, is still actually applicable to the, our Paralympians. Um, so there's a really good conversation that one of our track and field athletes, Chad Paris, had on, on the Paralympics podcast on the ABC about how he actually got a silver medal at the Rio Games and then dropping down to fifth at the Tokyo Games is essentially going to completely destroy the funding that he, he would get as an athlete because, because of his good performance, there's an expectation that to maintain that level of funding, you have to do the same or better. Or if you do worse, then obviously the funding is going to drop. Now, that, that's because something that we'll touch on a little bit later in the podcast, that it's not the same governing body that's looking mm. after funding for the sport. So it's not the Australian Olympic Committee. It's actually the Paralympic Committee that, that looks after our Paralympians. So um, while the winning edge is sort of being dissolved and, and changed into a different style of funding um, for our Olympians, for the Paralympians, it's, it's still very different in sport and event-based. Absolutely. And I think that's a very important point that maybe people don't realise is that obviously, you know, the Paralympics occur a couple of weeks after the Olympics. So people think that they're run by the same people at a at basically a domestic level here in Australia, which isn't the case. They're actually two separate entities, which is important for what we talk about later in terms of the funding and where that funding comes from. But if we talk about the idea of getting this basically equity, I guess you'd call it, across the board maybe, or equality or whatever you want to call it, and getting consistent pay between the two uh, between the two competitions. It's not a completely foreign concept in like between Olympics and Paralympics. Like we know there's countries that already do this and pay fairly across the board. And and Olymp- the Olympics uh, in particular, the ones just gone in Tokyo. We know America have led the charge in this caper as well. So they have, as of Tokyo, started to pay their Olympic and Paralympic medalists equally, which is the first time that they've done that. And I also know that I think it was the 2018 Winter Olympics that they started doing that as well. I think that retrospectively paid Paralympic, uh, Paralympic medalists from that event after the fact as well. So again, the wheels are starting to turn in this space where we're getting that level of equality, equity, whatever the appropriate term is from these big nations. So it's not something that's a bit of a pipe dream, is it? No, like it, it's most of the major players in that this the Olympics are starting to get that parity in pay. Um, I guess in in other sports, it's often discussed about the disparity between male and female athletes. Um, so obviously, 
it's starting to get a little bit better there, like sports like tennis. Um, there's equal yep, pay yep. for the men, men's and women's. Um, so it's certainly heading in the right direction. And as you just said, like the US are doing it. But um, I guess Australia is not the only nation that hasn't yep. moved to that transition to that yet. Um, so we've got in our research, we found that Canada and Japan don't have um, equal pay. And then I guess we discuss as well that the UK actually doesn't pay any of their athletes, at least that's <laughs> equal though. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's exactly right. So Japan, they will pay a certain amount for Olympic medalists and then they pay a lesser amount for the Paralympic medalists and Canada are the same as Australia that are paid Paralympic medalists at all. And I know a lot of people say, well, US is a bigger, bigger organization, more money and they can do that. But, like the US again, they're paying thirty-seven and a half thousand per Olympic gold medal. I think in in US dollars as well. So again, it doesn't have to be astronomical amounts that we're talking about that needs to be paid. It just needs to have that consistency across the board. And I think that's what you can. That's the only thing you can really ask for, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Like in Australia, we're pretty lucky. The athletes are well looked after in terms of if you're aligned with an institute of sport or um, one of the professional sporting bodies, you are going to get your training and coaching and all that sort of stuff included as part of that package. So um, I guess as long as the athletes aren't out of pocket in that sense, um, if the amount that they're getting, they don't have to pay their own way to get over to the Olympics or the Paralympics either. Um, so if that's put on, I guess the amount that you're given then, um, I, I think $20,000 is, is fair. There's plenty of other things that come with winning a gold medal in, in terms of endorsements and publicity yeah. and stuff like that. So um, I guess that's that's the bonus. And if they were doing it for money, they potentially would be in a different sport or line of work because um, a lot of the Olympic sports are actually not very well paid. Um, swimming's not something that you can really live off. Uh, athletics, unless you're in the Diamond League, it's quite hard to make a living mm. as well. And then you think about the more like um, obscure or less funded sports is most of those people would have a job outside of that. I know the guy in the speed walking for the Australians like had to take four weeks leave from his accounting job. So, um, mm. you know, they, they are just everyday people as well. And to go to the Olympics is, is a privilege. And, you know, if they get a little bit extra on top, then it's sort of a nice touch. Absolutely. And what you said about swimming funding is very interesting because we also know and have seen the media reports and, and the articles about Gina Reinhart and her financial backing for a lot of Olympic athletes as well. And especially swimming was one that we've seen a lot of sponsorship for. So, Again, like I suppose the, the funding doesn't obviously extend across the board in terms of like the struggles to get appropriate funding for, for these athletes, depending or I guess regardless of whether it's Olympics or Paralympics as well. Yeah, I, I think the, the only other thing as well is that um, we sort of had a discussion off air about this as well, about with, with Paralympic athletes, there potentially might be more cost involved in in servicing the athletes in terms of what like the coaching you probably need more specialist coaches to deal with athletes that have impairments or disabilities or stuff like that it's a little bit more difficult in terms of it's not just your standard coach generally um and then there might be more facilities required in terms of like transport and stuff like that so for the paralympics there might be more overhead costs so i could kind of understand where potentially they take that into consideration with the amount that they pay, maybe that it was a lower percentage because of the, maybe the extra um, funding that would be provided in, in, in that sense. But um, 
I still think that they should be paid something, if even if that is the case. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, that probably ties in beautifully to now maybe talking about some of the the structure of the funding that they receive, like the Paralympics Australia and how that sort of works. And we've briefly alluded to it in that the Paralympics Australia and the Australian Olympic Committee are both two separate entities or two separate companies as well. So that's probably something that needs to be made pretty clear is that it's not just all the money is getting pushed into the Australian Olympic Committee and they just give it, give it out to or prioritise Olympians over Paralympians as well. So they're two separate entities there. But, however, the funding obviously will come from the federal government and maybe some private funding as well, depending on who the relevant stakeholders are. But we know that there's a, a bit of a discrepancy between the amount of funding and the revenues that get turned over between Paralympics Australia and the Australian Olympic Committee. I think that going off the annual reports uh, quoted, I think it's about half the revenue or the, the turnover for the Paralympics Australia is about half of the Australian Olympic Committee. So... I think that, again, that highlights probably where the lack of funding and resources come from immediately. Yeah, there'd be several things that sort of go into that. I guess there's probably yeah. less athletes and sponsorships that go into, into that. But when it comes down to government funding, again, it's like it is based on participation and uh, things like that. So if there are um, less athletes in, in the Paralympic space, uh, they're, they're obviously not going to get as much funding from the government or that's the case here in Australia. So uh, there are a few things that go into that, um, but to be that larger discrepancy is, is um, not great. Mm. Oh, mate, absolutely. Absolutely correct. And what's interesting as well is I think that like what you said about you know, the funding and the overheads as well, and having to try and distribute like the, the money across all these different things. Like we know that, the cost of some of the like, wheelchairs and some of the specialised equipment itself, you know, the carbon fibre in some of the equipment is very expensive, isn't it? Like it's not, it's not cheap. Yeah, you're not, not wrong there, Rob. Like the, the bikes, the wheelchairs, those, those types of things, the equipment, um, you know, some of the ath- athletics, track and field athletes, if they've got the carbon fibre leg, um, they're, they're very, very expensive. But I think the other thing as well is that um, – there's a lot more support staff involved. So we did have a discussion about like how certain sports have guides and different things like that. So yeah, they all have to travel over as well. So the, the traveling mm. party and the number of staff and coaches and um, stuff like that is probably a lot greater than what it is for the Olympic team. Um, so I, I guess all of these things come into it as well because um, all those extra people that equals extra flights, overheads, equipment, merchandise um you know it, it's all got to be put in there so there it is sort of understandable that there might as we said like some differences but in terms of it shouldn't be that one one athlete gets 20 grand and the other one doesn't get anything at all like it's a it is yeah. a huge yeah. disparity because they they put in the same amount of effort and training um they go through all the the same challenges as what our able body athletes mm. do um, so it is, it's probably good that it's come up as a discussion point and there's been a bit of yes, uproar about it and that it's, it's hit the media now. Um, there hasn't been any immediate change, but maybe it might be pushing us in the right direction towards what a USA has done, or at least bringing it in 
that they do get some sort of payment and then it's justified that, you know, okay, the expenses are a little bit more. So it, this would be um, equivalent or relevant to what they they can afford to give based on what additional funding and support they get. Yeah. Yeah. that's fair enough too. And that's probably a good logical progression from here, I'd say, and suggest. But what, like what you said, like these athletes, they train just as hard there you know, just as dominant on the world stage and, and have similar levels of talent. And one in particular that's really, like, I've, like with a call my eye over the past week has been Maddie Di Rosario and the fact that she's been in the 800, the 1500, 5000, and is now going to do the marathon as well in the T54, T53 class. So, like, that's, um, that's um, absolutely unbelievable to do that wide ranging of events from 800 all the way up to a marathon in one Olympics. Like, that's unbelievable. Yeah, it, it wouldn't happen. The only place you would see that sort of is in, in the pool um, in yeah. at the Olympics. You, you wouldn't see an athlete yeah. compete in that many different events across such a widespread thing. Um, yeah, it, it, it's fantastic. And as we said, it's a, I, I did read a few comments about it. The Paralympians is not about, um, you know, that we're not good enough or we're not athletes. It's, it's actually that they are athletes. They've just got... Um, you know, ailments or disabilities or something wrong with them, but they're still competing at the best of their ability at that level. It's, it's not a charity event. Like it is a serious athletic event. And I think um, people often don't realize that, that they, they are high performing yep. athletes. Um, and they're, you know, if you were in the same boat as them, you would understand how difficult it is to get to that, that place. I absolutely, I could not have put it any better, mate. I think that might be, a good sentiment to, to finish off on, on for today's episode anyway, but I was really keen to get that chat done as well and, and, and published along because me and you have both spoken about it a fair bit and Sean as well, but and the discrepancies and, and how good these athletes are. So pretty important topic that we definitely needed to cover, mate. Yeah, 100%. Uh, beautiful. Well, good work from you today, Damo. Great to see the pipes out in time for summer. Fortunately, there's no festival for you to go show them off, but thanks very much, mate, for coming on. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> uh, if you want to value out today's episode, please consider liking and subscribing to the channel. It would really mean a lot. But until next time, on behalf of myself, Sean, and Damo's biceps, we'll see you next time. <laughs> oh, a cobra. 